Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Terry Talks Fiction. Today is a bit of a special episode in a way because it kind of feels like returning to my roots. Back when I was working my day job as an archaeologist in 2013, my only creative output besides the music that I was involved in was doing a webcomic on the internet. Shortly after I decided to throw in the towel on the day job and make writing my full-time profession, I also became attached to the Digital Strips podcast, one of the oldest review podcasts on the internet that looks at webcomics. So, webcomics are obviously something that's very, very dear to my heart, and today I'm going to talk about a few of the best webcomics that I've read this year. And so, with no further ado, let's get straight into it with a remarkable webcomic called Space Boy by Stephen McCraney. Space Boy is probably one of those comics that could find itself on my top 5, top 10, top 2 lists every year. It's one of the handful of long-form webcomics besides internet staples such as The Order of the Stick by Rich Burlew or Questionable Content by Jeff Jarks that I constantly revisit and it's one of the very few that I've made an effort to collect in its print editions as well. It sits on the bookshelf behind me, right next to Ursula Vernon's absolutely phenomenal Digger Omnibus collection. Part of my love for this comic is, of course, that it's just so pleasing to look at. It's really full of warm colours and sort of scrubby, pencil-like textures. The art is so distinct and so inviting that it's a pleasure to cast your eye across. But art only gets you so far, especially when we're talking about and focusing on the fictional elements of a story. And what really grips me in Space Boy is the characterization and the story. In particular, the strength of the characters that are in it, the way that they are written, the way they interact with each other, and very importantly, the way they interact with the world that McCraney has developed. For those of you who aren't familiar, Space Boy is a story that, regardless of the title, focuses on a young girl named Amy, a teenager who found her entire universe flipped upside down when her father lost his job on a remote mining asteroid where she lived with him and her mother, and the family was shipped back to Earth. Frozen for 30 years in transit, Amy awakens to the strangeness of a time-jumped Earth. Trying to fit in at her new Earthside school, she finds herself gravitating to a young man named Oliver, whose own traumatic past and incredible secret make them an unlikely but very compelling romantic couple. More than ever this year, I found the unwavering optimism of Amy's character a really safe place to be and to read. Even as some truly dire situations have arisen in the comic throughout 2020, The comic's persistence to present the power of a utopian character in a dystopian future, and the way that that character will, through the sheer force of their optimism, change the world around them for the better, has just been a really refreshing and really exciting and really, really compelling narrative to follow 
as events of 2020 have played themselves out. When you're reading this comic, you really want Amy and Oliver to find some way to make their apparently impossible love story come true. And after the revelation of who and what Oliver is comes to light, which still for me, even though it has been a long time now, still feels relatively recent in the comics, the whole thing just really pulls no punches in setting up some incredible science fiction storytelling, while still never losing that core of a love story between these two crazy and determined kids, and the sheer optimism that that story just oozes through every single panel in every single page. The story is just so fun to read through, except for the one story arc which is unbelievably tragic. Oh my god, McCraney, why would you do this to your readers? I'm still crying about it! And if that isn't enticement enough, add on to the fact that this year we're finally starting to delve into the events that happened at the end of the comic's prologue, which aired over five years ago now, and altogether you've got a webtoon that you definitely need to go out and read. Seriously, guys, even when dealing with tragedy and horrible issues, the webcomic has such a positive bent on everything. It is so full of optimism and just joy that it is a complete treat to read. The second webcomic that I'd like to highlight in my Best of 2020 today is Apocalyptic Horseplay by Boardman. Set in the same universe as his previous comic, Boardman's Apocalyptic Horseplay plays off some similar elements to Undead Ed, which was a relatively short-run comic that came out a few years ago about a person who wakes up one day to find that they are dead, and for some reason haven't been shuffled on into the great hereafter. Apocalyptic Horseplay takes up some of the elements that were set up in that initial concept and really proves that this was the story that Boardman wanted to tell all along. In 2020, Apocalyptic Horseplay finished up its four-year story arc, and by itself, this is something of a remarkable landmark in webcomic terms. Anyone who is into reading webcomics knows that most of them will simply fade away after a certain amount of time, after a stuttering decline in updates. One day, they'll just simply stop. And I'm including my own webcomic in that list. It's just a part of the natural ecosystem of reading comics on the internet. But Boardman managed to bring his comic to the end of its complete pre-planned arc, and it really, really shows. The ending was phenomenal, in so many different ways, and although pre-planned since the moment the comic began in 2016, it was really interesting to see how Boardman integrated some of the elements that occurred in 2020 into the series finale, in particular with the treatment of his character Fever, which began life as the horse of Pestilence, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I won't go into too much detail that would spoil the ending of the comic for you, but 
suffice to say that pestilence definitely had a hand in the real-world events of 2020. As someone who's also watched Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman's Good Omens on Amazon very recently, it was fascinating to take a deep dive into some of the, shall we say, remarkably fictionalizable elements of the Bible, in particular, the Book of Revelations. Taken as a source material and focusing on how the four horsemen of the apocalypse have changed over the centuries that they've been in operation, and in particular, since the events of World War II, the entire story was incredibly engaging, deeply emotional, and fascinating to see unfold. And the incredible strength of having an ending to work towards really pays off as parts of the story that were set up from the very opening pages of the webcomic pay off really well in the final closing chapters. As I read through the ending of this comic, I was so emotionally affected that my breath was catching in my throat and I was wiping a tear from my eye. I will really, really miss this webcomic now that it's finished, but the finishing really really made the comic brilliant, just as we talked about The Good Place last week. If any of you out there have a passing knowledge with Christian folklore, perhaps you went to a Christian or Catholic school when you were growing up, perhaps you still attend church to this day, you will enjoy this comic. And if you have no knowledge whatsoever in the source material of the Book of Revelations, then this comic is also a fantastic point of entry, where every part of it is creatively and very simply explained to the audience through the phenomenal cartoonized drawings of these horrifying characters, and the sheer humanity and the facets of humanity that these characters represent and explore throughout the comics run. It's definitely a unique and incredible look at what has to be just the weirdest damn book in the Bible. And with it completely finished, there's never been a better time to read this story in its entirety. Another webcomic that closed its run this year and deserves an incredible mention for just how engaging the storyline was, how epic in scope, and how incredibly illustrated it was, is The Sword Interval by Benjamin Floyter. Beginning in 2015, The Sword Interval is predominantly the story of Fall Barros, a young woman fighting through monsters on a crumbling and magical post-apocalyptic earth in her quest to hunt down a monster named the Hierophant, the most powerful monster of them all, and the creature that killed her parents in front of her eyes when she was young. So far, so fairly standard for a fantasy setting. It's an origin story shared by innumerable protagonists and Spanish swordsmen alike, but where it goes from there over its five-year run is absolutely fascinating, and the artwork is, frankly, incredible especially in the later years of the comic's run. The design and the imagination behind the different creatures and monsters in this comic is remarkable, and the complexity of the world-building where it comes to 
the systems of magic, the Hierophant's true role in Barros's life, how the occasional digression from the core story in order to set up smaller arcs that flesh out the world and the overall narrative at play really, really engage with that central core narrative and the ultimate secret that gets revealed about Fall herself and her relationship to the supernatural hunting agency Atlas and the man that she's picked to be her mentor is just really, really engaging and really worth reading. It was one of those comics that I found myself constantly refreshing every time I opened the Webtoons app, even if I knew it wasn't that comics update day, because I just really, really wanted to see more of this comic. Always more. I couldn't get enough. And look, this year has been hard for a lot of people, so it's completely understandable even though it is also a crying shame that the comics resolution this year in the year of our dog 2020 doesn't really do the comic the justice that the comic deserves. Now, I say this as an upfront warning not to put you off reading the comic because the resolution for what it is is still incredible, but the comic overall is at such an incredible standard that anything short of absolutely phenomenal in the closing chapters would have seemed a disappointment. And knowing that the comic's creator has had a pretty rough year indeed, up to and including having his entire house burned down as the comic was nearing the end of its run, just makes the ending all that more tragic. It's one of those things that is both completely understandable in the context of its circumstances. I, for one, will never begrudge a creator their ending that they created in the burnt-out ruins of their own home. However, it's still completely heartbreaking in the context of the fictionalised story, which does feel like it could have done with another full season's worth of conclusion instead of the handful of updates that pulled everything together in the end. This is a comic whose run was so incredibly strong and bettering itself in every turn in terms of writing, narrative, and design, and art style, that when it wraps itself up in the space of only a handful of updates at webtoon length, it was a little bit disappointing. Even with that caveat, this entire comic is well worth your time to read for the sheer imagination of it, the utterly gorgeous illustrations that are on every page, and the incredibly written characters. The main cast are phenomenal, and even the side characters, which even had their own spin-off story arcs in some points, are incredibly written, deep, and impactful on the overall narrative of the plot. It is absolutely worth your time to check out. So that's two webcomics that have come to a close this year, but there was one other webcomic in particular which really excited me because it started up again. Tales of the Unusual by Sung Dae Oh is a webtoon which I have been following for years, and 
Thus, I was absolutely heartbroken when, in 2019, it suddenly announced that it was going to stop updating. Citing that the scope and unexpected popularity of the comic had snowballed way beyond what the author had initially intended for the comic, the final update promised that more comics may follow someday. But, as we mentioned before, anyone who's been reading comics for any appreciable time will recognise this as one of the oldest, well-meaning, but ultimately insubstantial promises a webcomic author can make. And I should know because I used that excuse as well when I stopped updating my own comic nearly five years ago. So imagine my surprise and just utter joy when I noticed that new updates were available in November of 2020. For once the promise had rung true and the new story arc of this spine-chilling horror comic had begun. Tales of the Unusual is, like the name implies, a series of original short horror stories in comic form. The art style is fairly familiar to anyone who's watched an Eastern-style cartoon or two, and the stories themselves have a heavily Korean flavour to them, especially in the way that the text is translated into English. And the stories are also utterly, utterly creepy. From demons which amass the world's knowledge in eldritch libraries, to seemingly all-powerful wizards tormenting mortals with karmically torturous punishments, to one of my all-time favourites, a young man who is cursed with a form of second sight, where he can see the shades of people who are about to die, creeping up behind them over time. The closer and closer the shade gets, being the closer and closer that person is to death, and the sheer horror that that provokes in him when he realises that there is a shade of himself following him and getting closer and closer with every passing minute. These stories are so inventive and chilling. These are not to be read in an empty house at night, unless you're in for a real thrill, especially the ghost tales, which really stunningly bring the traditional horrors of the genre into the modern age, with spectres who specialise in the use of the Tinder app and the like being flawlessly executed, rather than as eye-rollingly kitschy as that might sound. With the latest story arc that has just begun updating again, drawing close to its own conclusion, a tale revisiting one of the earliest storylines of the comic, a product called Beauty Water, which essentially lets its user re-sculpt their flesh and explores the horrific extremes to which this power can be used. There's never been a better time to immerse yourself in a series of stories that are guaranteed to leave you feeling cold and unsettled and just marinating in horror. I'm going to save my final narrative webcomic recommendation for the year for a little while, just to touch on a couple of really quick sort of gag-a-day style strips that I found myself returning to over and over again this year as well. The first of those is Womp by an author whose name I'm sure I'm going to butcher, Ronnie Filial. Found at wompcomic.com, this gag-a-day newspaper-style strip has consistently delivered chuckles to me all year. 
The self-loathing, self-deprecating humour of the central character is weirdly relatable at times, and always taken to such extremes that it is utterly hilarious, and not only provokes a chuckle every time I see it, has also earned itself pride of place in my bookmarks list so that I can never miss an update. Well worth checking out, especially if you're a bit of a socially awkward individual like I am myself. A few of the other comics that I've revisited all year I've already mentioned, including Rich Burlew's seminal Order of the Stick, a Dungeons and Dragons style adventure, and Questionable Content by Jeff Jarks, one of the internet's oldest webcomics, and essentially a soap drama between humans and robots. But I wanted to also pay particular attention to another one of the internet's stalwart webcomics, and that is PvP by Scott Kurtz. For those of you who aren't really up on the history of webcomics, PvP by Scott Kurtz was literally one of the first webcomics on the internet, making it big in the dot-com boom at the turn of the millennium, and basically godfathering in the entire idea that you could be a self-published cartoonist on the internet. And much like the Jim Hensons or the Charlie Schultz of the world, you might think that such a long pedigree could lend itself to a certain degree of staleness or safety, where the comic evolves to a point where it doesn't take the risks that it used to in its youth, doubling down instead on the commercially safe options at every turn. That's definitely how I felt about the webcomic when I stopped reading it a few years ago. Finally, sort of having enough of the sameness of the storylines and of the character development sort of continually being reset to zero in a very newspaper-like way. The central protagonists never really changed, never really learned, and the entire thing never really seemed to be taking the advantage of its place as an independently published comic on the internet that it seemed that it once used to. And so I was beyond impressed when, on a whim, I clicked through to PvP this year and discovered that in the middle of one of the hardest years in living memory, Scott Kurtz had decided to utterly blow off the shackles of the syndication model and completely reboot the strip for a modern audience and a modern internet. In doing so, Kurtz did something that comics in general don't tend to pull off and don't even tend to attempt, which is not only to reboot, but to shunt off the previous cast entirely and begin anew with the adventures of the next generation. As previously mentioned, characters like the Peanuts crew or Garfield and John just get sort of lost in this timeless fog always updating as the world changes around them, but never ageing or changing. It's the same with The Simpsons or Hagar the Horrible. Over time, although the work might pass through different hands and might pass through different styles and iterations, it still remains essentially the same. Here, Kurtz has taken a really phenomenal step in changing the actual strip itself, 
keeping everything that was core to the experience and bringing the previous mainline cast characters back in and out from time to time without overstaying their welcome and as part of a natural story progression that focuses on what this company is like, what the PVP company is like in the modern era of Instagram and influencers and a completely different approach to gaming and journalism. I've found myself more engaged in this strip this year than I have been for probably the last five. And it makes a really great place to step into the comic as well if you're not familiar with the strip's 20-year pedigree up to this point. It's hard to express how much joy it brings to see a creator who you've been following for most of your adult life continuing to innovate and continuing to bring new and fresh ideas to their creative products, even after all this time. It's just really, really exciting and really, really funny. And speaking of fresh ideas to old properties, I'd like to leave you with the final narrative webcomic that I adored this year, and that is A Tale of Two Rulers by Figment Forums on Tumblr and on Webtoon as well. A Tale of Two Rulers takes the Legend of Zelda franchise and the deep and very complicated interwoven lore behind all of that, and brings it together into a romantic soap opera, which is absolutely gorgeously illustrated in black and white pencil art, depicting a totally unique timeline for the continually reincarnating characters of the game franchise series, Link, the Swordsman, Zelda, the Princess, and Ganon, the evil king. This story looks at what might happen were Zelda and Ganondorf to put their differences aside and try to work together through an arranged marriage to bring the two kingdoms, which were constantly at war throughout the games, into peace. As I mentioned, this is essentially a soap opera, and there is certainly a high amount of soap opera tropes and hijinks as these two traditional enemies become lovers and slowly, slowly the barriers between them break down and true love begins to blossom. All the meanwhile, the character who will become Link once they mature to a point where the reincarnation cycle kicks in and brings them back the memories that they lose each time they reincarnate elegantly portrayed by this webcomic as memories that are so traumatic it results in the commonly portrayed mutism of the character. It's really, really engaging to read how the story is becoming more and more complex and more and more moving parts between the different factions and the different characters for each side of this traditional conflict, how they're adapting to the new reality where Zelda and Ganondorf are really making an effort to break the cycle of violence that fate has trapped them in for too long. If you've ever played the Zelda franchise or are a little bit of a fanboy or fangirl like I am, then this is an absolute corker of a comic to read. 
and perhaps there's just a little bit of romance novel lover rubbing off on me, thanks to my other podcast, Science, Sex and Sorcery. But the romantic soap opera dipping its toe into romantic comedy at times, elements of this story are thoroughly engaging and really, really sweet at times. Gorgeously, gorgeously illustrated, fun characters that you may or may not be familiar with, and utterly compelling soap opera style narrative. This is a webcomic that is fully worth getting into as well. But what about you? Have you read any excellent webcomics this year that really stuck with you or that kept you coming back for more update after update? With so many thousands out there to choose, I'm really looking forward to getting some hot tips on what I should be reading next. And if you've read uh, any of those comics that I've mentioned today, especially the, some of the finished ones like Apocalyptic Horseplay or The Sword Interval, what did you think of those? I'd really, really like to get into an in-depth discussion with any listeners out there who I don't have to censor myself for spoilers with and can really get into the nuts and bolts nitty gritty of the stories and why they hit so well. So please hit me up on the Discord server or on the Facebook page or email me at terrytalksfiction at gmail.com. I'd really love to get the conversation going and hear what you guys have to say or to recommend. I'm always looking for more webcomics. They are an unadulterated love of my life and I will never, ever get enough. Next week, we're going to bring the final podcast of my best of 2020 to a close and that's the movies and games that I found the most compelling this year in 2020 as well. But it won't be the final top list for the year because there's one more episode which I'd like to do which is what you listeners have highlighted as the best things that you've consumed this year, the best fiction. I've got quite a list of books come through on the Discord server or through the emails most of which I either haven't heard of or haven't read and I'm really keen to check out. But if you've got any TV, game or movie recommendations, then please hit me up with them as well. But for now, I'm going to leave our conversation here and say I wish you all a very, very happy week in the lead up towards Christmas and may it be a safe one this year for you all. Talk soon.